0: Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 2 at verse 14. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me for this Bible study today. Let's begin reading at verse 14 of chapter 2 in the book of Ephesians where Paul writes this. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So we find here in chapter two, this paragraph that uh, is still talking about our position in Christ, which basically is the theme of the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. But uh, our position in Christ Christ includes uh, these ideas. In chapter 1, we are in Christ as a body. In chapter 2, we are in Christ as a temple. And then in chapter 3, we are in Christ as a mystery. And we're going to find out about that mystery as we uh, get to it. And uh, as we've said before, a mystery isn't necessarily a a riddle or a biblical... uh, 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 thing to try to figure out, but rather it refers to something that was not completely revealed in the Old Testament. So in many regards, it it was sort of a, a riddle or sort of an un, unsolved mystery in the Old Covenant. But, uh, but once we get to the New Covenant and the person and the work of Christ, then that mystery becomes revealed. And uh, that's exactly what uh, uh, Paul gets at in chapter three. But we're not quite there yet. So hang on and that'll come in a future episode. But in our uh, position in Christ, Uh, it includes two ideas in chapter 2 and that is our condition in Christ as well as our relation in Christ. Our condition in Christ uh, includes the first uh, 10 verses of chapter 2 and then verse 11 through 22 which is the section we're in right now uh, includes uh, three paragraphs about our relation in Christ and those three paragraphs includes uh the being brought near by the blood of Christ and that's verses 11 through 13. that was in the previous episode and now one body through the cross and that's verses 14 through 18 and then later in the next paragraph and in the next episode we're going to talk about being built together in one spirit verses 19. Through 22, so that gives you an idea of where we're going and where we've been in the context of all of these things that Paul is now uh, elucidating upon and and uh, giving us all this uh, uh, detailed uh, description of who we are. And it's important that we discover who we are. Our identity is very very critical. When we understand who we are, that determines how we're supposed to act. It determines. Uh, how we plan our future. It determines our destiny and uh, all the other things if you know exactly who you are. And um, many people perhaps are, are still trying to discover that. And in Christ, we have that discovery and we make that discovery by what he's revealed to us, not by our feelings or or from what other people tell us, but rather from what God has revealed to us through the Apostle Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says here in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Why is he making this point? Because he's already introduced this idea that basically there were, uh, originally there were two very main divisions in those who were believers in Christ. And one main div- division was the general uh, category of Gentiles. Now, of course, Gentiles included the. Uh, uh, a lot of ethnic groups, a lot of languages, and a lot of perspectives and cultures and everything else. But uh, in in regards to the scriptures, uh, they are all lumped into one category. You might say as Gentiles. Why? Because because that's the perspective uh, that you get when you uh, look at it through the eyes of a of an ex Pharisee uh, Jewish uh, leader by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who is now Paul the Apostle and. Uh, so he begins verses 11 through 13 with this with this idea of these two main categories of the uh, uncircumcised which were the Gentiles, and the circumcision, which is the Jewish people, those who were a part of the covenant of the law of Moses. And in that day and in that time, uh, that was pretty much uh, the main divisions because uh, there were uh, no uh, circumcisions uh, being performed upon uh, babies that were Gentiles, except maybe for a very small minority of Gentiles who were uh, God-fearers and who, who were trying to follow the law of Moses and uh, they perhaps underwent that kind of surgery but um, so it's it was completely a, a designated identity that was very very clear in most people's minds and so it became a category and so it says then in the uh, the previous verse before we get to verse 14 it says but now in Christ Jesus you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So his death on the cross has purchased us, has brought us near. It has, it has invited us to be close to God. And uh, that is part of his work. Isn't just just the merely the payment for our sins, as great as that was, uh, that, that was a great work that he laid down his life to be the penalty for our sins for our transgressions our trespasses he uh, was our substitute our grand substitute and that was good and that that would have been enough but that is that lays out the groundwork for something else something else is that now we've been brought near to god as gentiles as those who were not a part of the covenant as those who did not inherit the scriptures as those who were not a part of the uh, the law of Moses or the constitution of the nation of Israel that was uh, included in the law of Moses. So, so we were not a part of the national identity. We weren't a part of the racial identity, if you want to call it that, the ethnic identity of the Jewish people or the bloodline from the uh, from uh, from uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We weren't a part of that, and I say we because. Uh, I consider myself a, a Gentile believer and not a Jewish believer, but it says here that that he, you have been brought near uh, by the blood of Christ. That's speaking to me. That's speaking to us who are Gentiles. If we believed in Jesus to be our Savior, the payment for our penalty for sin, then we also have incorporated uh, the fact that that uh, we rely upon Him to bring us near to God, not just any God, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so then he goes into the details of how this is accomplished from a theological standpoint, from a legal standpoint, from a moral standpoint, from a personal standpoint, uh, and from a corporate standpoint, if you want to look at it that way. But it says here in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. It's important to know that Jesus has established a peace, a peace between us and God. Uh, and that uh, that is uh, where we find in, in uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is that aspect that because we found the penalty for our sin, before a holy God, we now have peace. There is no antagonism anymore. There's no division between us and God anymore, between our sinfulness and his holiness. We have peace. And uh, then in Philippians chapter 6, verse uh, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, Verse 7, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and, and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we have the peace of God as well. So uh, there are two different aspects of his peace, you see. There is There's the peace we have with God because we are not enemies of God and he is not our enemy anymore. Jesus has established peace between us. Um, And then he's established peace in in us. That means our soul is no longer in turmoil. It is no longer looking for something that it can't have. It is restful. It is peaceful because of what Jesus has done for us. And we have the capability of... um, of not being anxious for anything. In fact, that's the context of that quote from Philippians chapter four. But uh, by prayer and supplication, verse six says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. That means it settles in us the things that might cause turmoil. And that's the work of Christ, you see. That is what he did. Now, uh, what's interesting is, is uh, this is something that is not foreign even in the Old Testament? Because it says in Isaiah chapter nine verse six, it says uh, in reference to the Messiah Himself and the names of. The Messiah, it says, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is that by title, and he gives that to us. And in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus himself said, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give it to you? Uh, Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So Jesus gives us his peace because he is our peace. And uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Peace. That is our peace, you see, and uh, that's what Jesus has accomplished for us as Gentiles. So now he's talking about a peace that isn't just between us and God, a peace that isn't just between us and ourselves and our hearts and the things inside of us, but now we're talking about a peace between the two groups, the two groups that he's already categorized, and that is the two groups of the Gentiles and the Jewish believers. And so uh, and Jesus already predicted this in many regards. In a uh, in a uh, a portion of John chapter ten, verse sixteen, Jesus actually says this. He says, "I have other sheep which are not of this fold." This. Fold. And that's what he says there in order to distinguish the fact that Jesus is already recognizing, even while he was doing his ministry on earth with Jewish followers, Jewish believers, Jewish apostles, that he's saying, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. What is the fold? It is. The, the sheep pen or the corral, if you want to call it that, where uh, uh, sheep are kept and they are identified by the corral, by the fence. But then he says, I have other sheep that are not in this corral. He's referring to those who are Gentiles that are not Jewish. He says, I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock. Now, Jesus changes his own metaphor. This is no longer a fold. It is now a flock. Why is it a flock? Because it is two groups of sheep, one from a corral and one from uh, uh, other sheep. But now they become one flock. Why? Because they have one shepherd, according to John chapter 10, verse 16. And that becomes the dynamic by which Paul makes some of his statements here based upon the work of the Messiah Jesus on our behalf. We're going to be back right after this. get right back into this because we uh, we've barely made it uh, into verse 14 and we've got some more verses to cover here. It says, uh, for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. He's made us into one, one group, no longer as Gentiles and Jews, but rather as one new group in Christ Jesus, Messiah, Jesus. John uh, chapter 17 uh, it records Jesus' prayer that uh, prays for the believers in the future. John chapter 17, verses uh, 20 and 21, he says uh, to the Father, he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, and he's talking about the uh, the Jewish believers, that is the, the apostles around him. He says, uh, but for those who believe in me through their word. And guess what? That's us. We have believed in Jesus through the apostles' word about Jesus. And then he goes on to say in verse 21, uh, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may, be, uh, may believe that you sent me. So then, what Jesus has prayed, has God answered that prayer? I believe he has. Now, many people look to the divisions within Christianity, and they say, no, he hasn't. And yet, uh, from a very uh, uh, sound basis, he has that prayer answered. Why? Because we are one if we seek the same salvation through him. Because it is him that establishes our our peace. It is in him that we find a common ground. This is our new identity, and we share that identity regardless of our skin color, regardless of our religious background even, regardless of our ethnic background or uh, our cultural background. Anything else that might divide us, even even our doctrinal background, in many regards, is now been placed on the fact that Jesus has become our uh, our uh, our penalty. He's become our uh, our settlement of this. Enmity and uh, what is that enmity? He says he says made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. You see, there was a dividing wall, quite literally, in the Jewish temple between the the uh, court of the Gentiles and the court of the Jews, or uh, technically the court of the women uh, Jews, and then there were the court of the men and the court of the uh, uh, the priests, and uh, and so each each way along. Uh, it, within the temple courtyard, uh, the, the greater, uh, environs there of the temple, uh, the, the Gentiles could only go for so far because there was a wall and the wall had a sign on it, uh, this specifically warning them that, uh, that, uh, they shouldn't go past that wall because, uh, it would it would mean their death. And, uh, And it says in in Acts chapter 21, verse 28, it says, and besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. That was a charge against the apostle Paul that he had brought uh, Greeks into the temple into the holy place, and that was not at all true. But it shows how very uh, deeply this prejudice, this bias, this uh, this enmity is, and it's it not just an emotion. It is an actual thing that existed because it was there, and in this case, it was an actual wall that was there. But, but God also was the one that orchestrated the wall in many regards, uh, even though he wasn't necessarily behind building that particular wall, but he was behind the the establishment of the very thing that caused the division between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. And that's exactly what Paul says here. But what happens? Uh, Jesus says, uh, that is, uh, Paul says that Jesus broke down the dividing wall How did he do that? By abolishing in his flesh the enmity. In his own death on the cross, Jesus. Took down the wall. Now that doesn't mean the literal wall was was uh, was taken away yet, but it does mean that the the doctrinal wall, that is the constitutional wall, that uh, was made by the Constitution of Israel. That is what we call the Law of Moses. And it says he made both groups into one and broke down the barrier, of the dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity. That it, this is not necessarily aimed at human emotions here. It's made at the division that was caused by the law of commandments. See that in verse uh, 15? It is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Well, who authored the law of commandments contained in ordinances? God did through Moses, and he gave it to the, the national entity of the Jewish people. And they were to live by that and be a testimony to the Gentiles by the way they lived as a nation, uh, uh, as a people. And, uh, And yet now Jesus has intervened in such a way as to set that aside. Why? Because it was a curse. The curse was if you can't live by this, you will die. But so then that that meant that we we all Jewish and Gentiles alike came to Jesus as our penalty for our sins. He is our Messiah who has taken our sins. He has borne our sins on himself. And uh, so in his flesh, he abolished the enmity, the, uh, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself, he might make the two into one new man. That was God's approach. That was God's purpose in sending Jesus was to make something new and make this new man, this new person, this new body of believers. And before that, uh, he'd called it um, verse 22 of chapter one in Ephesians. It says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the Church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So now Paul is ex- re-explaining this, coming at it from different directions, but it's the same idea that uh, that believers, regardless of their race, regardless of their skin color, re- regardless of their language, regardless of their ethnic group, regardless of their dialect, even that uh, that if Jesus has taken your sins to His cross, then you share in that as a single identity. You are now placed into him, and by being in him, you now are part of this one new man. He is our head, and we gather around him, and that's what that word church means, a called out gathering, and so we have been that uh, because of his work one new man establishing peace and if uh, if you think there's some disagreements between uh, between people today, maybe even in your churches, maybe in uh, in the culture at large there's divisions of and disagreements of all sorts and yet, our unity, our oneness, the fact that we become one is because we we hold to one single person. And that single person we cling to for our salvation, for the penalty for our sin, is the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, the one who came and bore our sins on the cross so that he could establish peace. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, peace with each other. Why? Because he took down the dividing wall. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of our hatred might go away in in an instant, or our emotions against each other, or our biases, or our prejudices may, may stick around. But still, from this standpoint, if we acknowledge Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, then we are one. And uh, we might disagree on any number of subjects, but we cling to him and we cling together and he establishes peace between us because of that. And he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. It was one body that, that sealed the deal. You see, it was his body and we are incorporated into him spiritually speaking. So by being incorporated into him, then we are, uh, being established as one single, uh, identity. Uh, you see it, it this took a lot to overcome. Uh, acts chapter 10 tells the story of, of Peter and Peter's division over, over in the illustration about food and, uh, and yet, uh, uh, because Gentiles ate different food than the Jewish people. And, uh, so it took a lot of, uh, a lot of work for God to dislodge the, the thinking of Peter in order to get him to understand this new truth, uh, in uh, in the decision of the council at jerusalem in acts chapter 15 was another stage in which god uh, expressed new truth not not necessarily new in the sense of uh, uh, nobody heard about it before but in the sense that this was now an established fact based upon the work of christ and uh, and that had to be worked out. It had to be worked out in words. It had to be worked out in the various congregations. And so it, it took a statement from the original apostles as well as the contribution of of uh, uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas. And that meant a whole new thing had to be kind of hammered out, and in, in public, you might say. And then in Galatians chapter two, Paul confronts Peter in another situation where Peter still didn't quite get this idea that Gentiles and Jews can live side by side because of Jesus, because of His death as the payment for our sin. His cross was um, was a symbol of the fact that He took our sins upon himself. And uh, and in fact, Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, says that uh, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And that happened as Jesus was being crucified, as he was hanging on the cross to pay for our sins. And by it, having put to death the enmity. What is that? The work that he did on the cross. And that is what God accomplished in his son. Verse 17 quotes from an Old Testament passage from Isaiah chapter 57 verse 19, and uh, it says this, he came and preached peace to you who were far away, that's the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, who were that that who was that that was the jewish people who were already near because they had the scriptures of god they had the promises of god they had the covenant of god they had a nation established based upon the constitution that god had given them through the law of moses and they were near in that respect and yet uh, they needed to also be brought near because of the blood of the Messiah as the ultimate Lamb of God. And we, too, have been a recipients of this same message, this same sermon, this same identity, that we have been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb of God. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit. To the Father Because of Jesus' work Then we have the Spirit of God at work in us And it is the same Spirit It is not a different Spirit It's the same Holy Spirit Therefore, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 6, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but true Me. It is Him. It is a person that is establishing our identity, our new identity. And if we find our identity in Him, then we become one in Him and we can share in that identity because of what He has done for us on the cross and for what He does in us through the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For all Who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We share in the family because of the Spirit's work in us, we become incorporated into the family of God so that we can call him our father and we can share as brothers and sisters in Christ in the fatherhood of God we become his children together regardless of what our background may be what our culture may be what our language or our ethnicity may be we find it in him. Dear Father, bring us that place of understanding that Jesus has established peace by the blood of his cross and that we come to him, we find our peace in him. We find our peace with you. We find our peace with ourselves. We find our peace with one another. And it's because of him that we have this, not because of any effort of our own, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.